Hi, I'm Stephanie Trithui and welcome to Motherland Australia, a podcast celebrating and connecting rural mums across the country. Each week, I'll bring you real and raw stories of motherhood told by women on the land. It's a wild roller coaster we're all on, so no matter where you live or what you do, we're in it together and you're not alone. So, what's it like to raise kids on the land? This is Motherland. Welcome back. This week, I'm chatting with rural mum Natalia Crabtree. Originally from Sweden, Natalia has had quite the change of lifestyle, now living on her husband's family farm on the coast of Western Australia. Natalia went through several fertility treatments to conceive her daughter and admits it was particularly tough and isolating while going through it living on the land. This is the last Motherland podcast for 2019, and I'm really happy that Natalia is the one to see the year out. She's bubbly with an infectious energy and a warmth that makes you feel good just talking to her. And this is her story. Natalia, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So for people who don't know you, I I know you from your beautiful Instagram account, but but for people who don't, can you tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do and who's in your family? Yep. So I'm um, originally from Sweden and I moved to Australia nine years ago now. And um, six or so years ago, I moved with my husband to his family farm on the southwest coast. So we're pretty close to the ocean, um, which is nice. And we have a little daughter called Pippa who just turned two, and I we're expecting another little um, girl in January. And um, how on earth did you end up where you are on the coast in, in Western Australia? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I moved to Perth from Stockholm to take my journalist degree, and, um, and I'd been working as a journalist a bit before then, but after my actual degree, I never ended up working anyway, but... Um, I met my husband when I was working in the clothing shop and he was working in the city. And um, it turned out we had the same birthday. And after that, it just everything was just so easy with him. And after a year, we moved back to his family farm because he was approaching 30. And I think he was feeling like it was either to move back there or um, or to just stay in the city. And I think we both felt like we needed to live in the country mm. a bit. So can you tell everyone a bit about... What sort of services do you have locally in your area? How how rural are you? Um, so we're about an hour and a half from Albany, which is nice, and then half an hour from Bremer Bay, which is like a little coastal town. So we're not too crazily remote, but it still feels quite isolated, especially if I compare it to where I'm from. Like when um, when we used to go to school from our house in the country in Sweden, it was a 20-minute drive, and I always used to feel like that was so long. And now when I go grocery shopping, it's like an hour and a half to town. So it is, um, it's quite remote compared, like, compared to what I'm used to. It's so funny. I've noticed that, um, that rural mums, you know, they talk about driving an hour or an hour and a half to do the grocery shopping as if it's nothing. And I just think, yeah. oh, my God, I can't believe you have to drive that far. But, um, yeah, it just amazes me how it's just like, yeah, nothing. I had to drive two hours to do my, you know, get my milk or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny too. And I always thought that um, it took me a while to get used to. It. And I always thought that I would mean that I would like spend less money because I'm only going to town once a week. But it just doesn't work that way because you just end up buying so much food because you never really know what day you're going to go back to town again. 
Um, and I always end up going there and I treat myself to, I'm like, let's go out for a nice cafe lunch because we only do that once a week. And then all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, your budget is like blown anyway. <laughs> Deserve it once Deserve a week's splurge. Now, um, in terms of your, yeah, that's it. <laughs> in terms of your journey into motherhood, can you tell us uh, about, you know, when you and your husband decided to have a baby and, and was it an easy journey? It wasn't an easy journey. Like now in hindsight, I feel like it, I can't say it was too hard because I am obviously pregnant and we have a two-year-old. But um, I had really bad anorexia in my teens. So I kind of knew that it probably could could affect my fertility. And when I was 24 or so, um, I, we started thinking that it would be nice to eventually have a family. And I came off the pill because I'd, obviously you've been on it for so long and you don't really know how your body works without it. And I just didn't didn't get a period back so I went to the doctor and he referred me to a fertility specialist and I did a whole heap of tests and it turned out that I um, wasn't able to have children without any assistance so we um, decided to wait a few years until we got married and pretty much two months after we got married we started our first round of ovulation induction and it took five five rounds to conceive which isn't that much but at the time you obviously then every time that that you they give you a call after you finish the whole treatment and you've really tried and you've tried to time everything perfectly and your body is full um pumped full of hormones it's really hard to hear the the note it didn't work so that took five goes and and um yeah it, it wasn't too bad and i had a really easy pregnancy I get really anxious the first two trimesters of my pregnancies and then the third I'm fine so it it was yeah it was a bit hard it's hard when you don't have your um, family close by either like sometimes I think when I'm pregnant it would just be so nice if you could just pop home to mum and I lie on her sofa and feel and feel little but um yeah so it, it was it was definitely hard and it was really hard at the time but then after Pip came, it, it um, just felt like it was all worth it, obviously. And, yeah, and like that, yeah, I um, I can't imagine, you know, how difficult that must have been. I suppose as a young woman, you, I mean, you spend your whole teens or what, maybe not teens, but you spend your whole twenties maybe trying not to get pregnant or, you know, your early youth. Yeah, that's you it. Think when you want to get pregnant, mm. you go, oh yeah, I'll just have a baby now, and you know, I guess a lot of us take it for granted. Yeah, and I think that was the only good thing. Um, because we had, I had a few years be, between finding out that it would be tricky and actually starting the treatment that to wrap my hand around the fact that it was going to be difficult. Um, but I think, yeah, it was hard, but it made me so grateful when Pete came because I think I spent my whole pregnancy just being like not really understanding that there was a baby coming. Like I was just didn't want to. I think I'm a pessimist, but I'm an optimistic pessimist. I didn't want to feel like, didn't want to get disappointed if something would go wrong. So when Pip came out, it was literally, it just felt like I, I was like, it just made everything so amazing. And I never got any baby blues or anything like that, despite Pip not sleeping at all, because I think I was just so grateful and I didn't want to let her go. So I just <laughs> spent like the next six months, like not patting her onto anyone because I was just, yeah, it was just, I don't know. And and how how did you have her? Where did you have her? You know, did you have to logistically work around your appointments and did you, you know, go into spontaneous labour? Where was the nearest hospital? Tell us about that. Yeah, so the nearest hospital is in Albany, so it's only an hour and a half. And um, 
I got induced with her at 39 and 5 because when you do fertility treatment, our doctors, you don't, they don't let you go past 40 weeks. So, um, um, well, it was just a few days before my mom was going to arrive and I felt like I just wanted to, to be sure that everything was going to be fine. And it wasn't super enjoyable because I think I was a few centimeters open already before and I'd been for a few weeks. Um, but then they kind of break your waters and then let you walk around for an hour and a half expecting something to happen. And when it didn't happen, they just turned the drip on, um, uh, dysentosin, I think it's called yeah. really quickly, which made it go. I just felt like completely normal. And then all of a sudden it's this unimaginable pain mm. that you've just never really experienced. So it was, it was quite, quite a full on experience, that whole thing. And, um, but she came out in the end. So I feel like just after the labor, I thought everything had been fine and it was just this, um, breeze of a labor, but it, it wasn't really. So I had, had those contractions for quite a long time and I didn't open it at all. And then in the end, I just had to have an epidural because it was either having an epidural and hoping, um, something was going to happen and I was going to dilate a little bit more or just have a, um, cesarean. So, um, I had the epidural. And then I um, opened. I think it's funny because I've always heard that if you have an epidural, you will uh, it will slow down your contractions. You won't open at all. And it's complete opposite happened to me because I think my body was in so much pain, um, it couldn't relax. And then when I had the epidural, it was like my body was like, "Huh, it's fine. <laughs> I can do this." And then just opened like three centimeters um, or one centimeter an hour, um, which was uh, amazing. And then, I, but then I she got a little bit stuck in the end of the. Um, end of the labor so I had to have an epistotomy which I thought at the time wasn't very traumatic at all but now when I'm about to give birth again I'm a bit scared of it all so yeah so so it was really fun. and I think that was probably the one time when I really cursed how far away we were from the hospital because the drive home after five days in hospital to the farm and I hadn't taken any painkillers I couldn't sit down in the car I had to like stand up it was just I was so angry that I was like we're just buying a house in town and <laughs> moving here. Um, and then I think I just spent like two weeks sitting on a cushion at home. <laughs> but this time I'm just going to be way more prepared and just have cushions already in the car. And um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll be okay. <laughs> and um, so what was it like coming home with your daughter, you know, home to the farm? You mentioned that you didn't have the baby blues, but how was that journey into motherhood for you? How has that been? Yeah, I am not at all a maternal person. Like any, you could ask anyone. I'm not good with other people's children, so I wasn't sure how I was going to go with my own. But um, maybe it was the fertility treatment, or maybe it was the fact that we were in the middle of nowhere on a farm, and I'd spent a few years doing like doing this and doing that, and I would work in a CRC, but I didn't really love it. And it was before I started taking lots of photos and work with companies for Instagram and things like that. So when she came, it was as if I had a purpose. And I think it just made farm life in one way so much easier straight away. Like I just appreciated being home. And I had my mom here for three or four weeks after Pip was born, which made it, yeah, made it a lot easier. I, I don't know. I think, I think it, you can go either way when you're a rural mom, but it just, it, it makes you feel more isolated. And in some ways, motherhood definitely makes me feel a bit lonely because you're spending so much time with a tiny little person at home. Mm-hmm. But that first year, I didn't feel 
didn't feel that at all. I just felt like she was here and, and that was how it was meant to be. And, and that was my job. And, and I really loved it, which I think I'm very lucky um, that I felt that way. And what's an average day like for you out, out on the farm with Pip? <laughs> yeah, well, now when she's two, it's, um, it's quite full on. She's, um, they just never stop, do they? She's like, uh, gets up in the morning and we, um, try to have breakfast together and then go out in the garden, try to have a play date. And we're lucky that we're close to the beach. So now in summer, I just try to take her to the ocean, um, every a couple of days. I have a lot of work, um, with companies for Instagram and there's a lot of photo taking and content creation. Um, which is tricky, I guess you would know how it is to try and manage doing stuff on like a laptop or doing writing with a little person who just wants to be outside playing. But, but yeah, no day is really the same. We, I don't really do much farm work, which is, um, cause my sister in law does all the books. And, um, so yeah, I don't have to help me with any shape work. It's a lot of driving around and making meals during harvest and stuff. But other than that, I'm not that involved in the farm just yet, which I'm not too unhappy about. <laughs> not everyone, you know, not everyone living on a, on a farm <laughs> needs to, to work on the farm. I think that's um, a big misconception about yeah. rural mums is, oh, okay, well, your husband runs a farm or well, you need to be out there working. And the ones that do amazing, if that's what you love, fantastic. Yeah. But um, It's nice to see this new wave of, of rural mums that have different careers and do different things. So tell us a bit about that with your photography and, and what you're doing with um with social media and, and how you managed to juggle that all as a mum. I think social media was an essential part of me feeling happy on the farm and quite like, quite early so it started out me doing and um, when we moved to the farm I started baking lots so I used to have it had it's quite funny used to have a sickness Instagram where I used to post photos of like my um, salads and my active wear and then we moved to the farm and at the same time I injured my knee so I couldn't go running as much so I started baking instead instead and then I think I just started styling cakes and taking photos of it and and things like that and then when I had Pip, as I said, like I loved it so much, but I definitely felt a little bit isolated as well. And through social media, there's just so many other beautiful rural mums. And then I guess you just um, keep sharing your content. And I kept on sharing my motherhood journeys. And, yeah, it just it grew a lot quite quickly, I think. And um, and it's been really nice because I feel like then I have a purpose that's not just a farm. It's obviously not what I wanted to do when I was growing up in Sweden or when I went to university. I didn't go to university to study farming and I, I love agriculture and I think it's um, fascinating, but it's not my passion. Um, I'm happy that we live here and I'm happy to um, support my husband and I'm happy when I'm eventually going to do book work and things, but it's never been been the thing I really want to do I want to do to write and take photos and um and I think I missed working with people who wanted to do that too so through social media you can meet people that are um like-minded I guess and you don't have to be in the same area because I don't really know anyone here that um there's obviously people who are working similar fields and stuff but no one who's doing exactly the same thing so it's been really good like I connect with lots of different mums and 
do you feel with your social media? Because you are quite open on there. You do share a lot about your life and your pregnancy journey. Mm. You know, on your blog, you've talked about um, going through IVF. Has that, as a rural mum, being you know isolated where you live, has that connected you more? Do you feel less lonely because of that online community? Oh, hundred percent. I think, and it's just um, it gives me. It started out, I guess, as a hobby, but I'm, I feel so fortunate that it's slowly turning into. A, a bit of a job that is also connecting with um, other people. And I love hearing other people's stories. And, I mean, we're so lucky. I've got such beautiful friends here. But but I quite like this whole thing of, like, like you don't necessarily have to sit down and have a cup of tea with someone to be able to share share other people's stories or share your story. And um, and it's been so nice to be able to share things like IVF. And then you see someone sending you a message. And there's this one lady who she had gone through heaps of fertility treatments at the same time as I did. And I just got a message a few weeks ago that she's pregnant. And it's just, I love it. It's like you can help each other and you can support each other. And I guess it's nice for other mums to know that um, what I've been going through and then maybe they feel a little bit less alone as well. Like it's, yeah. And in terms of local support um, from other mums and, and friends, you know, it must must have been tough for you moving, well, living in another country away from your family and then having a new baby. And um, how have you managed to build a support network with, with other mums? Uh, we're so lucky that we have such beautiful friends here. And, um, and I think we're, while we're isolated, there's still a lot of people around and we have a beautiful, like, um, nice community and little footy club. And, um, and I got lucky that a few... Friends became mums at the same time. So that never felt like, in terms of that, I think if you can feel isolated, but I think that the hardest part that I find with motherhood on the farm is that it's the distance of having to go and have a play date sometimes. Like if you're really tired, especially in those early days, and going for an hour drive to see someone might not always be ideal. Like it's... um. That was probably the trickiest part. But other than that, I have to say that I was pretty lucky that I had beautiful friends around me. I think I really missed having my family here, that I couldn't share lots of moments with them. But, but then again, you have social media or you have Skype or FaceTime. It never felt never felt too too isolated, I guess, and too too lonely. And living in a rural area, how how tough was it going through IVF? It was quite tough, I think. So the first treatment that we started doing was ovulation induction. And I find that that was almost more stressful than the actual IVF because you go, I guess with IVF, everything is quite structured. But with ovulation induction, you're really just taking drugs, hoping that your body's going to respond and that you're going to get the um, right hormone levels to have an ultrasound. You could get a call like right randomly at 11 o'clock in the morning asking you to come in and have an ultrasound at like one and I don't think that the doctors really take into account that then you have to do like a two-hour drive to get there so it really was like you have to just drop everything um because you're so far away and I think that was the hard that was the hard part in the city I feel like you have a lot of options where to go like you can get a um, blood test almost anywhere and what I found tricky was that um, we have one nursing post um, half an hour from us and you could do your blood test there but then it's always transport like you don't know how long it's going to take um, for it to get into town and when you're doing ovulation induction it's important that you get your results quite quickly so that they can track your hormone um, levels rising and um, probably the, the thing that adds the most stress to doing fertility treatment is, is the distance because your doctors are far away 
um, you can't just pop in and get your drugs. You have to organize and um, be really organized. But really, be really organized and also be open for everything just um, coming as it comes and just yeah, drop everything, I think. And from a support perspective, I mean, going through fertility treatment is, is quite personal, but did you feel isolated in that journey? Did you openly talk about yeah. that? Um, how did you feel going through that on your own? I was really lucky that there was one um, lady quite close to us who had been going through fertility treatment and she was really kind and she um i guess the initial shock when someone tells you you have to do fertility treatment is that you just don't it's not what you envisioned your following getting pregnant journey to be um and she got me onto a few facebook groups and i think that was a real lifesaver because i guess you do feel quite isolated and there's not a lot of people around and they um and that and especially when we first moved here because then i didn't really know that many people at all and that really helped and in case you feel like you have an online community that you can ask questions and and things and i guess that's also um was it wasn't too hard for me because i think i was always quite open with that we had to do it i think both my husband and i are, are the type of people who like if, if we talk about it it's not as big of a deal i think talking about fertility treatment helps because it is it's just another way to fall pregnant it's just an added stress so it's almost better to talk to people about it because then you know that that they know too and yeah, I guess um, you can always say that yeah we're doing this but I don't have to tell you I, I don't really want to talk about the details and not tell dates and, yeah. and things like that. And I know that you said that you know it only took five rounds but you know that's still a significant yeah. amount of time. How how did you feel after each failed attempt you know I imagine you'd be hopping back in the car or, or did you get a phone yeah. call back oh, yeah. on the farm? How, how, how did you handle that news? Uh, it was really, really uh, heartbreaking to to start with. I think, um, it, I think my doctors are always because I I don't really know why I can't. I don't ovulate. My hormone levels don't really rise as they should, and it probably has to do with um, previous eating disorders when I was a teenager and things and things like that. But um, I think the hardest part was that you get your hopes up. I think I always thought that we were going to have a baby. I feel like I'm always positive in my negativity. I thought, because um, I guess the first five was just ovulation inductions. I always knew that we could keep on going to IVF afterwards. I had a PIP after five rounds of ovulation induction. And then when she was um, one, we started trying again for another baby. That's when I think I felt um, really disheartened because I was wondering if maybe that was it. So like PIP was never going to have a sibling and it just wasn't going to, work um i think feel like with every time you just have to le really let yourself be sad like i think it was almost easier in the way that when i did have pip i could go home and i could have a little cry and then i could cuddle her and and say that it wasn't so bad but i guess with the first round um my strategy was to let myself have two days of just being heartbroken and just not feel bad for that just accept that this was a really hard journey and I tried to not compare myself to the people who've had it harder because I think that was part of sometimes that I, I could feel about I shouldn't I shouldn't complain because I haven't had, don't have to do IVF and it's just ovulation induction and it'll be okay but yes we got really lucky that our first we did four rounds of ovulation induction to try for a sibling and then for PIP and then those didn't work so we did IVF and we got we got seven or eight embryos and we put one back in and that one didn't work and 
that was hard because then it felt like we had started to do like bigger treatment that didn't work I felt really flat but then I just booked a trip home to Sweden so I guess I decided I was going to um, really try to distract myself and somehow maybe that I was always been so annoyed when people say that, oh, just relax and and something will happen like mm. take your time and and um, and just let yourself rest um and you might fall pregnant naturally and I always thought it was the most condescending thing to say because to someone who's like doing fertility treatment because I don't think that's going to happen mm. but it was literally exactly what happened with this pregnancy so we did say IVF, and then I went home to Sweden and every time we were driving into the little country town that my mum lived close to I started feeling sick so she's feeling sick all the time and I was wondering why I thought I better just do a test before I start and then I found out in like the late evening in Sweden that there was actually like two there was like a plus on it I couldn't really I couldn't believe it so I called my husband and he couldn't believe it he was asking what Swedish hipsters that was the dad because um I'd been away for like three three weeks by then so I think it was also hard but we got so lucky in the end that we this baby's um like a natural little blessing I guess there's always hope even when it doesn't feel like it yeah and what's your, I guess, message to other mums out there in rural areas that are struggling with their fertility? Because, you know, that's we don't hear a lot about it and, you know, it's not always easy to conceive kids and it can be really isolating, I imagine, when you're going through those treatments. In a city, it's yeah. probably a bit easier. You've got more people around, your doctors down the road, you know, whatever, people and support. But to be yeah. out there alone, you know, must be pretty tough. What's your message to other mums out there? I think the most important thing is to cut yourself slack. Like it... It's not the house might not be as organized. You might not be able to help as much with other things. And um, if you're feeling awful from the drugs or if you're feeling um, sad, just let yourself feel that and don't feel like you should be um, toughening it out. I guess the country mentality often is to just like um, tough it out and you'll be all right. And I think especially in Australia that you'll be all right is like quite strong. And uh, no, maybe you won't be all right. Maybe you will just have a week when you're just feeling awful and you just want to lie on the sofa and you feel bloated and you feel crap and maybe the washing will just become a mountain and it doesn't really matter. I think just let, they say you shouldn't let the fertility treatment rule and definitely don't do that, but then also don't let it become, it is, it's a huge part of your life when you're going through it and it's just going to have to be a huge part of your life. And I feel like talking about it definitely helped me. It did made it feel like it wasn't, um, wasn't as big of a deal and also I think if you do decide to talk about it you'll realize that there's so many more women out there that are going through the same thing like you'd be surprised when you do start talking because I did feel really isolated and I felt like it's just me no one else is having this problem um, and then I did start talking to her about it and I, I realized how many people who actually have gone through it and I guess then you don't feel as um, isolated anymore and definitely join some Facebook groups because there's so many good ones um, and then you can always ask questions. And I guess maybe that's in a small community too. If you don't want to talk about it, like doing it with someone who is a complete stranger but is going through the same thing is actually really good because then the whole community won't know about what you're going through if you don't want them to. <laughs> so I think, yeah, so that's probably mine. Just cut yourself some slack and just let let it be a big part of your life if you, if you feel like it is. And, and just be maybe ready to drop everything Mm. when you need to and uh, and have good podcasts to listen to on the drive to town 
And I guess how important do you think is it for mums to, to share their stories around the country, to talk about motherhood honestly? I think that's really important. I think for me, seeing people sharing their story and being honest, which I think people are really opening up now. If you see on social media, it doesn't, all these taboo and stigmas that you people probably wouldn't talk about maybe 10 years ago, it feels like everyone's talking more about postnatal depression or perinatal anxiety and things like that. I think that's so important. I think it kind of makes it feel like it's not, like it's obviously a big deal what you're feeling, but it's, um, it's not the end of the world and you, if someone is sharing their story and they're sharing how they got better or or just that they're going through it um in the same moment and you can connect and talk about it, I think that's I think that makes everyone um healthier mums hmm. somehow. Um and no, how, how are you how are you feeling going into well not going into pregnancy, how are you feeling about having your second child very, very soon? How are you feeling about that? Um I feel really good about it because I think Pip is going to absolutely love it. I think that's one of the hardest things about being here is that I have this idea that if you live in a city, you would have, you would go out for coffees with friends and you would see their little children every day and your child would have that constant stimulation from other people than you every day. Mm. Um, which I don't, I don't think it probably is like that, but I'm excited for Pip to be able to like share her days with another little person because she's a very social little human so she will she will love it um hopefully this baby will sleep better than Pip did and um and then I think everything will be a little bit easier people like wake up every hour and never never have a long nap during the day and that that was really hard but and so what's your plan for when you have um, your next baby? What happens to Pip? Because you're an hour and a half away from the hospital. You don't have your family there. Or does she get dropped off somewhere? All these things about, all these questions I have about how rural mums manage mm. this. Um, how are you going to do that? Yeah, well, it's actually quite, that, that that was something I could definitely get a little bit anxious about because there's been a few mums who have given birth in the car and, I mean, we're only an hour and a half away, so you wouldn't think that would happen. But I guess with, like, second and third pregnancies, um, everything happens a bit quicker. So I um, I spoke to my, I've got a really good obstetrician that I really love and the midwives at the hospital are really good. So um, I pretty much said to them that I'm feeling quite anxious because I, I am a planner, so I like having a plan. So I want to know that my mum will have flown in from Sweden mm-hmm. unless the baby comes early because then all the plans are stuffed. Mm-hmm. But I would like my mum to have like flown in from Sweden and that my um, parents-in-laws will have come down from Perth and there's always, there will always be someone here that pe- I know I could safely drop people off with. I give it friends or my sister-in-law or anyone like that. But I think my, um, my doctors probably would, um, like set an induction date because this baby is a natural pregnancy, but it was after a failed IVF. So when you do IVF, it's, as I said, they don't, won't let you go past 40 weeks and pick and stay on the farm with my mum and her, um, grandma and grandpa. And I think it's, it must be tricky when you, um, yeah, when you live even further away from the hospital. But I guess a lot of rural mums go and stay in town. At least here, that seems what um, a lot of women do. They go and stay in town for the last two weeks or so of their pregnancy, mm-hmm. just to make sure <laughs> there's no car um, labors and boats in cars and stuff. <laughs> and uh, well, you got to let us know mm-hmm. how that all goes. And hopefully, there's no birth in the car, and there's lots of cushions yeah. on the way back. <laughs> 
Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess just finally, I mean, how how do you see how do you see rural mums in terms of how they're perceived um, publicly? Um, I've talked a bit about this, but I certainly the reason why I'm doing this podcast is to give mums a platform to to talk about motherhood, but also to to break through some taboo subjects. And and rural mums are very resilient and tough. Yeah. They don't always have to be. It's okay to to not be okay. And it's okay to talk about you know some more emotional things. Yeah, I feel like the, um, the rural mums, at least around here, are so tough, and they just do do everything. So they will go uh, do the farming and do the do the mothering. And I guess uh, the big a big a big difference from where I grew up and compared to here is that it, you, you wouldn't say that you're a solo parent when you're a farmer's wife or you're a farmer, but um, it is a lot of time, a lot of like child raising is just on the mum, um, which which is, I guess, it's just the the way it is in so many ways. But um, I, I feel like they really are, should be given more credit, both for I don't know. It's that thing of saying that they're a farmer's wife, but really, or farmer's wife or a rural woman, but they they are um, most certainly farmers as well. Like I see them do do everything, and they probably should get a little bit more credit for it. I think. Mm. Do you feel like you get labelled a farmer's wife, or how how does that sit sit with you? Um, it's funny when I go through immigration, they have to tell you what you're doing for a job, and I always say that I'm a farmer, and then they ask me a farming question, and I am, um, <laughs> and I think the only one I really know is that, yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, um, no, I think I, I don't know what where what crops we have and things like that. So I would probably not have an issue with that because I feel like the farm is. Is definitely my life, but at the moment it's probably more my husband's life, and I do other things. Um, but I feel like for, for, yeah, for like someone like my sister-in-law who does lots of the bookwork and and other things, I would say she definitely should just be a farmer. You can, shouldn't be a farmer's. You you wouldn't say a farmer's wife. I think you should just say farmer for everyone. And I probably should even for the people who are doing um, other things and driving tractors and doing sheep work because the the farms would just wouldn't work without the women hmm. anyway like you're doing different things and I guess it's such a teamwork so you really need each other I think yeah definitely and and for you personally what's your next chapter what's your next challenge with, with motherhood well it is to have this little baby and hopefully people love it and not be too jealous mm-hmm. uh, um, and I think it is to keep keep um, working with businesses and I'm really loving seeing this um Lots of um, rural women are, are starting their own businesses that we get to work with, and I just love that, that it's um, they're finding something they can do on the land that's not, um, I guess it's because of Instagram and, and social media and that it's easy to um, to build your own businesses. And I think I would love to work more with that. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah. I feel like I haven't really thought a lot further than the next two months until the baby comes and then then I'll just see how it how it all goes. Well, um we wish you everyone I'm sure listening wishes every mum the best when they're, you know, about to, to have, have a baby. So, you know, we wish you all the best with the new pub Thank and you. and keep us up to date. I'll have to um update everyone when, when the new arrival gets here and um yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing for for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Hope it made sense. We've got a bit of a baby brain, I think. <laughs> it made perfect sense. And you know what? Baby brain is totally fine. <laughs> it's a shocker. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Natalia. 
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow the podcast each week. And finally, if you're a rural mum or you know one with a great story, please shoot me a message via the Motherland Instagram or Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you. Catch you next week.